Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. We're talking England this week, specifically the England you see in travel shows and in guidebooks. Yes, we're talking about the North. Places like the Lake District, the Yorkshire Dales, and the Peak District. Here to share the best of all things Northern England is Mark Sandemus, founder of Escape UK, a boutique active travel tour operator. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Richard. It's uh, great to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because uh, my wife's from Northern England, so I've spent a bit of time up there, but I only go to one place, and I'm going to learn more about all the places I haven't been to. Um, but, but maybe to start it off, you know, you, you've talked to lots of people who have had their first or their 50th trip in Northern England, but what do you think makes this part of the world so great for walking and cycling holidays? It's a most beautiful part of the world. It is, it has its rugged beauty. It has so much variety. It has, I'd, I'd like to say unspoiled, but clearly compared to 8,000 years ago, it is different to, to that landscape. But the way people have shaped the landscape, so there's so much history in the landscape as well. So it makes it really interesting, um, which then sort of, you know, sort of fosters the types of characters that you meet along the way as well. Um, there'll be many times somebody's out walking and they'll bump into somebody might be just tending their sheep. Um, you know, a farmer with their dog, and they'll go chatting. Before they know it, they've told them the history of what uh, they've just walked across. Um, they've pointed out some really unusual features um, that, that were undiscovered, whether it be some, you know, wild orchids that uh, would be sort of um, missed by the casual, you know, passerby to it. Um, we have everything from sort of the, well, we call them the high mountains. Clearly, they're not high compared to the Rockies, but they are big challenges to walk up, you know, reaching well over a thousand meters um, in, you know, in parts um, here, um, right down to the sea. Um, so it's few places you can go from sort of coast to the top, you know, in a relatively short uh, distance. If we take the coast to coast as an example, it passes through three national parks, the Lake District National Park, the Yorkshire Dales National Park, and the, the North York Moors National Park. Three very distinctly, distinctively different parks. Um, the Lake District is, you know, has the very high rugged fells. There's, there's a lot of slate and redstone, um, bracken, obviously the lakes themselves to it. You come into the Yorkshire Dales, the character is quite different. The limestone, um, you come through Swelldale and you got that real sense of almost like timelessness. Um, the stone barns, the stone walls, this time of year, the lambs are gambling about, the yellow flowers, the, the dandelions, the buttercups, um, all, all in abundance, the lovely sort of sound of birdsong. And then you pass through Richmond with its normal one, probably the, the best example of a Norman castle in the United Kingdom and probably anywhere outside of France. And then coming to the North York Moors, which is um, the largest expanse of heather in the world, um, 
again, a separate, a different type of rugged beauty to it. It's heather, the bracken, the um, the grouse, the pheasants, you know, flying about. That that sense of sort of real wilderness without actually being hundreds of miles from anywhere as well. So it, 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 I think it's very sort of uniquely special. And um, I mean, to paraphrase probably the, 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 <laughs> the great author, Bill Bryson, I think what England, you know, Northern England has in particular is almost a sense of everything in almost like that ideal size for it. Nothing is too big that if you're bored of it, you're gonna be stuck with it for days on end. You, you know, you, you're you're passed through when you do the coast to coast a different, a quite different landscape and experience on every single day. A bit like with our wonderful weather. Um, if you if you're not so comfortable with 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 your with what you're experiencing, wait a little while, um, and you'll experience a completely different type of weather. Um, the same with our wonderful countryside we have we have up here in the north. And the and, and another wonderful thing is. People often, you know, um, might think that England, the United Kingdom, is a very populated island. And, and of course, that will be the case in the cities and the urban conurbations. But I can be out on the fells for a, a full day and not see another person. It's a very special, very unique place. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I can call it my home. I can go and run on these fells. I can take my bike out, cycle through the lanes. I can go into the, the lovely pubs in the villages and drink a lovely ale that would have been brewed within, you know, 20 kilometers of where I'm drinking it. Um, the, 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 you know, the food, whatever the people's thoughts had been of the United Kingdom for food, it's, 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 it's a gastro delight to, to, you know, to be eating out here. Um, and it's a very welcoming place as well, you know, and so, yes, we can't, you know, can't wait to welcome, you know, listeners over here and, and really show them what the, the, the proper Northern England, you know, experience is. You touched on so many things that I hadn't ever thought about, but it really is. There's this rugged beauty. And I feel like as travelers, sometimes we look at a map and think, well, if I'm going to go and be in hills or mountains, I want really high hills and mountains. And we kind of overlook Northern England. But like, as you said, like in the lakes, you have a lot of days where you're well over a thousand meters of elevation gain, which is the same as what we do here in the Rockies or the same as what you do in the Alps. Um, and it's just, it's this place, you know, all of Northern England, there's just so much beauty. And uh, I always found it's a bit like you're in nature, but you're also in kind of working nature that you're walking through working farms. And it's, it's this, just this delightful experience where, you know, and then at lunch, you just walk through a little hamlet that has a pub and you can have a nice, a nice meal and then continue on your day. It kind of has everything. And it's just so, it's just so pleasant, uh, is the way it always feels to me. It really is, Richard. That's a you know, it's a lovely way of putting it. And um, I'm, I'm fortunate each year that I lead some you know groups uh, running and walking out coast to coast. And it's always a lovely delight that to uh, you know experience their surprise at seeing these things that they just didn't anticipate from what they might read about England in you know in general or, or think that oh well this elevation is not going to be such a hard walk but actually you know walking up uh, you know to a thousand meters on a, on a Lake District peak is often tougher than walking up 2,000 meters on a you know on a, on, on a more straightforward say alpine you know sort of peak there are you know so many twists and turns to get um, and also coming the coming down as well. 
um, on it. And there'll, there'll be a, a you know a, a, a day if we take the coast to coast as a, a, you know for, for you know as an example here the second day walking up between Ennerdale Bridge and uh, going over to Rosswaite um, when um, in, in in good weather people can walk up onto um, uh, Red Pike High Style and then up onto Haystacks and by the anonymous town where Wainwright's um, ashes were um, you know were spread. What we always say, you know, I'm sure many others do, is that um, when you when you put the effort, you really want the reward as well from it. Whether it be riding your bike up a hill, you want to have a glorious descent to go down. When you're walking up or running up a, a fell, to get that, you know, wow at the top. And so you'll walk up onto um, Red Pike initially. And on a lovely day, you're looking down over Crummock Water. You can look through the Dell to the Irish Sea Coast. You can look beyond there and catch the hills of Dumfries and Galloway. Um, you can turn around and you're looking up at Haystacks and towards Lang, the, the, you know, the Langdales um, and over towards Scaffold Pike, um, the, the, the highest hill in, um, in, in England. It really does sort of take your, you know, take your breath away. You'll look at the wall, the stone walls um, that go here. And it, it's a weird, odd, I say it's an oddity. Again, it's a uh, it is historical sort of thing that um, many of the stone walls go sometimes near vertical up the fell side. And people look and think, why on earth did they do that? And it goes back to when the, they first divided up the land um, several hundred years ago from, in effect, the king's offices in, in London. And they just drew lines, straight lines having no concept of actually what that was like on the ground. But of course, that was the king's command. So therefore, that's where they had to go and build the walls, um, you know, from it. And um, incredible sort of, you know, showing that endeavor that went in to putting the walls up near enough sheer sides of a, of a, of a hillside. Um, but the fact they've still remained there, um, you know, so you have that lovely connection back to, you know, through history in, uh, as well in everywhere you are, um, you know, coming in there. And if we just take that wall, you know, coming coming along from, uh, you know, beyond Haystacks, we come into the area of the Honest Slate Mines that have been mined for about 150 years for the slate. And many of the um, the properties in the Lake District, are, you know, will have their slate roofs would have, you know, come from there. And the slate has gone, you know, all, all, all around the world for from ornaments to, you know, to practical uh, to practical use. Um, through the, you know there and they're still they're still um, you know they're still mining the slate um, a different sort of lands you know slight you know landscape you see there you see the the how they've had to work hard in the fells and you you, you can immediately sort of cast your mind back what would that have been like 150 years ago um, and I'm probably like you, you know you have in North America when people were going out into the Rockies the initial you know in the initial explorers. Um, in there, faced with probably quite harsh conditions, but having to, you know, cope with it to form a living. So you get a sense of awe that comes from 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 being out there. Um, the similar happens when you get into the Yorkshire Dales, particularly coming through Swelldale, and you go past the lead mining areas that were um, um, and are now obviously left <coughs> left so, sort of desolate. But again, has that. Um, that weird sort of quite inspiring sort of um, beauty to it where you can picture what it would have been like for people coming in there trying to, you know, working hard, making a living in 
both beautiful surroundings, but probably quite harsh surroundings in terms of where they would have got their um, their food from. Their you know they were out you know way before the days of you know internet and telephone communication um, to it, but form their own very solid communities there. So you feel like you're on a journey when you walk through the um, <coughs> the north of the uh, north of England, rather than just walking through a very pretty area. Uh, that sounds great, Mark. And and you've talked a lot about some of the you know most beautiful places in the Lake District where I've had just incredible days out. But earlier you talked about the coast to coast. And that is something that I have been aware of for a long while. But I would love to know more of the details on the coast to coast. Like, can you just maybe frame the distance, you know, where it goes to, how many days, things like that? The coast to coast was a journey that the famous writer Alfred Wainwright undertook in 1973. Now, Alfred Wainwright was a lad from Blackburn initially, um, who in his early 20s developed a love for just walking out in the hills. So originally he's from Blackburn, so he was walking out in the Lancashire Fells. And then was taken on a trip to the to the Lake District, and that was it. It blew him away. And as soon as he could manufacture a work change to move to Kendall, he did so. And he would spend all his spare time walking around the Lake District fells, plotting the routes. And he wrote in his own wonderful style and illustrated them with his own sketches, all the different all different routes around the Lake District and created a whole series of guidebooks of walking there. And he also, you know, started to spread further. He walked the Pennine Way and then he hit upon the idea of walking across the country. He 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 had a, already a pretty good sense, obviously, of the you knew the Lake District intimately and, and, and knew quite a bit about the Dales. Um, but set off from plotting a route on the map, set off on this journey and in the, you know, noted it down in his same same style. And then he had the book published and it became almost an instant, you know, sort of hit. And he encapsulates it so well in that it was this amazing sort of crossing where you see so much variety um, in there. The walk itself in, you know, some factual aspects of it, it starts in St. Bees, which is on the, um, the Irish Sea coast in West Cumbria. It passes through the county of Cumbria and the Lake District National Park. And then it comes into Yorkshire, just actually beyond where I'm, 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 I'm here in Kirby Stephen. And then it passes through the Yorkshire Dales National Park. And then finally, the Yorkshire, uh, the North York Moors National Park. So it passes through three national parks. It spends 90% of its time inside a national park. Um, it reaches the finish at Robin Hood's Bay on the North Sea coast um, after 210 miles. So approximately 300 kilometers. And... I wouldn't sort of quote me specifically on the distance because you'll talk to five people and you'll come up with a few different distances because what Wainwright also said about the coast to coast is he did it his journey. He says there are a few different variations you can take. And so you will always have, a, you know, some variety in what people say the length of the, the coast to coast is, but um, approximately 300 kilometers, 210 miles. Uh, for it. Your climb and a sense sort of 
comparable to going up Everest as you go across. Not in doing big, big hills most of the time, although you will do some of those as you pass through the Lake District, but in the, the, the regular going up and down as you walk through the dales, as you come up over the nine standards beyond here in, you know, in Kirby Stephen. And why, you know, what, one of the things that makes it so um, interesting is, and you know, almost like go back to my old school geography lessons here, the geology of the land here is very much, it runs um, north-south. So as the, as the land was sort of folded up, the different sort of strata were coming through. And so you've got the different underlying rock types that come through closer to the surface, approximately every 20 kilometers or 24 kilometers, roughly. And of course, that changes what go, you know, what, what soil went on there, therefore what the land was used for. So you have the slate mines, you have the uh, limestone, which went into kilns, very good pasture land where the sheep were which obviously then gnaw the grass down and you get the you know, pasture fields. And then you come onto the North York Moors, which of course was turned into a very large uh, landed estate, which then led to the spread, you know, they, they grew the heather because it was ideal for the, um, uh, for the, for the grouse and the pheasants to shoot, you know, the birds to shoot. In that, the land, it changes the shapes of the villages, the characters in them, the limestone buildings through the dales, the red brick, the red sandstone buildings on the first sort of day, well, you know, coming away from the um, the West Cumbrian coast in there, um, changes the characters of the people on there. You know, you 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 know, some of the dales, people for many years probably didn't go out of the dale, so it becomes a, a fairly self-reliant uh, area uh, to be. You, you know, and it changes obviously that the you know the, the the animals that were on there, therefore the food as well. Um, sort of throughout so all, all has their own little character to it um, in there it's an absolute beautiful journey what people do when they walk the coast to coast is um, they'll pick up a pebble from the um, the beach at some bees and they should be dipping their toe in the sea there and they'll carry that pebble with them so when they reach the finish at Robin Hood's Bay and they've gone down to the um, <coughs> they've gone down to the water um, they throw their stone into the sea and then dip their toe in as well. And that's the, you know, a, another little qu nice quirky aspect about it is you transport a physical item from the West Coast and the start to deposit at the, uh, deposit at the finish. Um, and then we tell people at the end of the season, we go and gather all the stones back and take <laughs> them back over to some, to some bees to keep the balance right. I'm sure some people believe you. They do. They do. <laughs> This sounds like an incredible uh, walk, Mark. You mentioned it's about 300 kilometers. How many days does it take for an average walker to do? And then is this a good uh, walk for someone who, you know, their first kind of big walk? Like, is it is it suitable for kind of like early intermediates or, you know, strong beginners to undertake? Yes. Yeah. Maybe uh, what people used to refer to as the optimum number of days to do, which was 14 or 15 days. So you'd average in about 22 kilometers a day. Um, although I have to say averaging because the, dis the daily distances are, are based really on the distances between the villages where the overnight accommodations are. So some days you have to do a bit further than that to get to your accommodation. Some days you can do less distance. Um, but 14 or 15 days is a, a is a comfortable duration to take in doing it. 
Um, there are some people each year that will walk it in 12 days. Many others will take 18 or 19 days to do it. So a much more leisurely um, pace across. And then maybe include one or two rest days. Well, we call rest days. Um, days to explore the larger uh, villages or towns along the way, such as Grasmere, Kirby Stephen or Richmond to, um, to it. Then there are some people that will run the route. Um, we have each year uh, the you know occasional customer that might run it in between four to six days, um, you know for a real sort of tough you know adventure. Um, walking it, it it's anybody I like to say could do the walk if they've just been building up a little bit, being used to wearing their walking boots, used to being out in the countryside. Um, there and are sensible about maybe the you know the the schedule they give themselves for it. So if they're if they're not regular walkers, then maybe go for a sort of a 16 to an 18 day schedule. If they're more regular walkers, then a, a 14 to 15 day schedule would be you know would be fine. What uh, what we find as well on the walk, and this applies to most long distance walks, is that the body adapts. Um, the customer's fitness or, you know, um, develops as you're walking along. And normally after days three, four, your body is so accustomed to doing it. It's into that nice routine of you wake up, you go down, you have breakfast, you chat to um, other people in the, in, the, in, in the breakfast room, you go out, you put your boots on and you set off and you just walk along and your legs might be a bit stiff or sore from you know the first two or three kilometers from the day before but they then loosen up and you're walking absolutely fine and then you you know you stop for a drink you stop for lunch along the way you know carry on then you reach the finish you're ready for a nice drink you know might, might you might nip into one of the lovely pubs there a drink um you then have a shower go out for a you know a nice meal um, my, um, people tend to go to bed relatively early when they're doing these walks, go to bed and then repeat and repeat and then get into that lovely habit, a uh, lovely, you know, sort of pattern really um, of doing it. And so with that approach, people do it, with, um, you know, you know and, and most people can do it. One thing that I would, you know, advise or inform people as well is that the the terrain that walking through, particularly through the Lake District, so which is the, the, the you know the first few days, is very rugged underfoot. It's rocky, it's stony, so you, you tend not to walk with a regular stride pattern. It's constantly changing. There's lots of little bits of twisting, turning, um, and so on, and that can be more tiring than what people may anticipate because they might look on the map and think, well, 14 miles walking, that's fairly straightforward. That might take me. Um, you know, five hours, um, I'll be fine. But actually, some of the 14 miles, you know, 22 kilometers walking through the Lake District, could you do well to average sort of, you know, three to four kilometers an hour? Um, it will be more tiring and um, take longer than than you'd expect. And also, the the downhill coming down is the same because it's not a, a regular downhill path. It's twisting, it's turning, it's watching where you're placing your feet. So. Um, that, that, that's something to just be aware of when, um, when people are preparing to come and do the walk. We've talked a lot about the coast to coast and uh, I loved hearing about it because it is one of those walks in England that's always been on my bucket list. Uh, just kind of the concept of, you know, 
Ira Sea to North Sea, going through these incredible national parks. Um, but I'm also interested in a few other of the walks. And since you're here, I'm going to pick your brain. Uh, first one is the Hadrian's Wall Walk. And uh, that's one my kids have even talked about. I think they learned about Hadrian's Wall in school. And they said, oh, this is where mom's from. But can you maybe share a little bit about that walk? Yes, yeah, the Hadrian's Wall Walk is, again, it's another beautiful walk. And I'm, I, I probably make no apologies. We're probably going to describe any walk that I talk about as beautiful because <laughs> we are so fortunate here um, with it. But the Hadrian's Wall um, Path, in essence, follows the route of Hadrian's Wall, which obviously was uh, constructed 1900 years ago. Uh, it was the anniversary last year. But uh, sadly, they couldn't find anyone that was around when it was originally put up to uh, interview on TV. <laughs> it, it, it's a walk as well that runs equally well in either direction, whether a walker will begin on the west and walk from Bowness through to Wall's End on the, um, on the east, or begin at Wall's End and walk westward to, um, you know, to finish at uh, Bowness on the on the Solway Firth. Um, it's not as hilly as going on the coast to coast, it, but it does go into as it crosses the Pennines. There are some obviously climbs, and uh, and again a lovely remote ruggedness in parts to it. It passes through some larger conurbations as well from a nice historical side, Carlisle. Um, which is a, a nice small, um, you know, a large town, small city with, a, a, you know, it's very large um, castle there, lovely parks to it. Um, and obviously Newcastle um, before reaching Wall's End, which is um, obviously quite a large city with a lot of character, um, interesting places and, and, and quite a different contrast from being out in the, in, uh, in the countryside. Yeah, there are many sections along the um, Hadrian's Wall where you are still seeing parts of the original wall and in a number of places where you then can go into the, um, I was going to call them visitor centres, but they're a bit more than sort of visitor centres where they were, you know, on the sites of a, of a fort along there. And you, you, you learn even more about the wall. Um, and get a, a, an even better sense of what it would have been like for the Roman soldiers that were then there up there guarding the the wall from, should we say, sort of raiders from the north, um, you know, coming across. So, so the wall, the the the, the Hadrian's Wall, wall gives you that from a, a historical perspective. Uh, from it. The countryside it passes through has some similarities to the coast to coast as far as some of the you know rich pasture land. Um, and then into the breadth of the Northumbrian countryside, which just feels so vast. You can be on a part of the wall looking north, knowing that it's a, a quite a large distance, certainly in the, you know, as far as you know, perspective in the UK or proportion in the UK goes, before you'll come across another road um, to it. And, and again, it has pretty villages that it, that it passes through. Doing the Hadrian's Wall is another lovely way in a shorter distance. It's 98 um, you know, miles or 100, just under 160 kilometers. It's a, so it's an, an eight-day way of crossing from one, you know, one coastline to the other coastline. And another thing just to be aware of, there are a lot more styles that you go uh, across on the Hadrian's Wall. So there is quite a bit of climbing involved, just on going up and down the ladder styles as you go, as you, as you, as you, as you pass through the wall, uh, pass through the um, uh, the, across in the walls. 
And it's a very popular, it's, it's a walk where you will see as many people passing you walking in the other direction as, as, as they'll see people walking past them, like I say, because people will walk it equally in either, dire, in, in, in either direction. Another difference with, with Adrian's Wall is it, it has, and it has been a national trail for many years. So that means that um, probably route finding signage along the way is, is, is much more developed as well. That sounds wonderful. Just, you know, being able to walk beside, you know, such ancient history, you know, here in, here in, you know, North America, uh, where my city, we're only about 120 years old. So thinking of something that's dozens of centuries old is, uh, is incredible. Uh, you talked about the Yorkshire Dales earlier, and uh, I think there is, is there a national trail through the Yorkshire Dales or is it just like a, a walk that's been created? Yeah, no, there is the Dales Way National Trail. And the, the Dales Way passes similar distance, 86 miles, in fact, which passes from Ilkley in West Yorkshire, um, beautiful, you know, beautiful, lovely, you know, town. And it follows initially the uh, the route of the River Wharth um, up into the you know, the heart of the Dales. So obviously up, up through Wharfdale, up into Upper Wharfdale. Um, and then it crosses over into Dendale, and so it crosses into Cumbria, um, and it finishes on the right, basically, or at Lake Windermere in um, at Bowness. Um, so it's 86 miles. It most people do it in seven or eight days from it. It, it is the most stunning, and it's probably one of the most popular walks that we cover. Um, in in early season, April and May in particular, and for obvious very good reasons, because of the beautiful colour that's then out, it really showcases it particularly well. You have the lovely, the, the classical um, Yorkshire stone walls, stone barns, the, 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 you know, the yellow wildflowers uh, coming through, the lambs in the fields um, to it. It's, it's a walk that is not as ruggedly difficult as well so it's often a very good walk for people to do if it's one of their first um multi-day walks as well um from it um it's um it's passing through beautiful villages lovely tea rooms lovely pubs to to staying in the evening and places to eat it's coming through i'm i'm i mean you, you yorkshire people say yorkshire is god's own county and you really are coming through the heart of it, you know, coming through the Dells. It's when, when, for example, we had the Tour de France in Yorkshire in 2014, they made a big play of the Yorkshire Dells and, and you know, iconic images beamed around the world uh, from it, similar when they hosted the World Championships in 2019 um, here. It, um, it's everything anybody tends to picture about Yorkshire, you will encounter on the Dells Way. You know, you're passing the three peaks, the Penny Gent, Ingleborough, Wern. So you don't walk up them, but you walk, um, you walk, you know, nearby, so you can capture them in your, you know, in your photos from it. The classical Dentdale, um, are, you know, a perfect example really of a glacial dale um, through there. Um, and then that sense of finish coming down to the um, uh, Lake Windermere, um, and I remember doing it with a friend. We ran it uh, a number of years ago, and it's a wonderful way to finish and then just jumping into the lake at the end to, to round <laughs> off the uh, the achievement. Uh, what a, yeah, what a way to finish uh, finish that. That sounds uh, fantastic. I want to ask about one more, and it's one I've heard a few people talk about. That's the Cleveland Way. 
And uh, interested of that one because I've never been to the North York Moors, and I think the Cleveland Way goes through that national park, doesn't it? It does. The, the The Cleveland Way spends most of its, well, quite a bit of its time in the in the North York um, National Park. It starts in the beautiful small town of Helmsley, which is uh, very close to Revol Abbey. Where, you know, so it, it, you know, so that goes back uh, several hundred years. Has a lovely castle. It's very close to um, to Duncan Park as well. A very large sort of country estate. Beautiful sort of um, uh, home there and a wild um, a wild bird um, centre. Um, it's picture postcard prettiness really is Helmsley, and I don't mean that in a cheesy way. I mean that it, it is genuinely stunning. It is. It's. It's a lovely place. I'm fortunate to spend some time there. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, the the Cleveland Way traces out almost like a horseshoe, uh, going around in a in a sort of a clockwise loop. So it it goes around along the ridge uh, initially on the west side of the uh, North York Moors. So in times you're getting beautiful views westward across the Vale of Mowbray towards the actually the Yorkshire Dales. Again, beautiful sort of different, you know, countryside. There's a lot more sort of trees, a lot more wooded than um, doing walks like the Hadrian's Wall and the coast to coast um, to it. Um, it goes along, the heads north along the ridge into Osmotherley. And for a period, the coast to coast and the Cleveland Way follow the same path for, you know, so two, two or three days. People can be doing either walk, but on the same route. And then the Cleveland Way heads, heads up to the North Sea coast. The North Sea coast, or the North Yorkshire coast, along that whole section in North Yorkshire, is incredible. It's quite high, you know, high cliffs, and cliffs on sort of down. So you'll you'll walk along the cliff top, and you'll be going up, then you'll be dipping down, then it'll be going up, then it'll be dipping down. You come across lovely bays like um, uh, Runswick Bay and Staves. Um, you know, beautiful beaches. Um, I was going to say big beaches as well, nice sandy beaches. And then comes around to Whitby. Um, Whitby, I suppose, famous for many things, from sort of the Dracula with the, yeah, with, the, the with the castle to obviously where, um, you know, Captain James Cook sort of set off from as well, from the, um, from the harbour there. So you've got the whole port and you've got a, a busy bus- bustling um, yeah, fishing port and a, a very popular de- destination for holiday makers um, to it. And then it passes down again with uh, um, re-meets the coast to coast coming into Robin Hood's Bay. And that section is what we also call like the Jurassic Coast. There are, um, it's a, it's a, um, uh, there are abundance really of fossils are being, you know, picked out and discovered from the bottom of the cliffs, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis. Um, because there's a cliffs, as the sea, you know, keeps eroding the cliffs, more and more is and more and more is discovered. And there's a there's a wonderful little museum and shop in in Robin Hood's Bay that uh, that has a number of them on display um, in there. And then it continues along the coast down through Scarborough, and then before it finishes in Filey. Um, so it's a a beautiful con- uh, co- countryside and coastal walk. Um, with a you, you you're seeing you know the, the, the I was going to say the best in North Yorkshire. I can't say one is the best because it's trying to sort of you know you you can't have a favourite uh, child, can you? They're, they're they're all equally lovely and 
and, and wonderful in their own different ways. But, um, the, the, you know, the, the Cleveland way, again, is just another superb walk to do. And it's broken down into really manageable distances as well. You know, um, you know, averaging about 20 kilometers a day. So it's a, it's, it's an, an, another lovely walk for, for, for people to experience. You remember you mentioned the uh, the the coast and the the beaches and the headlands and uh, I've done a lot of a lot of walking in the Northumberland coast and it is the most stunning beaches and you have these little tiny coves and you have these massive you know kilometer long several kilometer long beaches with this perfect sand and you always I always keep thinking like I want to go swimming and then you put your feet in the water and it's freezing North Sea but it's it's like <laughs> It's beaches you don't see that often anywhere. It's like being in, you know, the most beautiful parts of the Caribbean. Just it's 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 unbelievable how beautiful this part of of England is. It is. That's a, that's a really good point, actually. That you could you could show a photo of somebody one of the beaches without any don't you know don't have any caption and don't have any town on it, but just purely of the beach and maybe the water and the blue sky, and ask them to sort of say where is that in the world. And often people will think it's somewhere in, I don't know, southern France, you know, the Caribbean, you know, Indonesia or, or you know, somewhere. And then can get me quite shocked. I actually, no, it's in England. <laughs> um, it, it is. But there was always people that are swimming in the sea, whatever time of year as well. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, we, we were there at Christmas and there was lots of people on uh, Christmas Day surfing and swimming in wetsuits. I thought, oh, I wish I brought my wetsuit because... So, so next time we go to uh, to Northern England, I'm going to take my wetsuit just because it, it does. It looks just just stunning. Um, you talked a little bit earlier about the weather, and as a Canadian, when I first moved to England, you know, I thought, oh, it's going to pour down. I'd lived in Vancouver a bit, where the rain in winter is torrential, and I thought, kind of from spring to autumn, the weather wasn't too bad. Like it wasn't, you know, you have days that rain, but you know, there's days that rain in the Rocky Mountains, you know, it it didn't seem that much different. And I'm just wondering, have I just been lucky with weather? Kind of again, from in winter is a totally different story, but kind of from like the middle of spring to the middle of autumn, it's, I don't think it's as bad as, as, as English people say. No, no, I, I think we're all, one, one thing about obviously living on an island in the Northeast Atlantic on the, on the edge of a continent um, is that your weather is interesting? It's varied. Um, it changes. So if, if, if um, whatever it is one day, don't feel that that's going to be the same weather pattern for for every day. Whether that be, you know, although I uh, I will also say that we have, uh, you know, in the last few summers we've had incredibly warm, dry periods for quite a period of time. Um, it will be balanced out by then. There'll be there some days of, of, of a bit of rain, but on the whole, most people that will walk the coast to coast will only use their waterproofs once or twice, or, or if that at all. Um, last year, we were having some, you know, different challenges due to the, you know, due to the heat on days, um, you know, with it as well. Um, so, you, you'd never say to somebody, you're coming to walk in the north of England, you're going to guarantee them it's going to be dry throughout. But at the same time, you can almost be pretty certain you can guarantee them it's not going to rain every single day that they're, you know, that they're here uh, from it. Uh, it, it is dry. It's, 
there are more days when it doesn't rain than when it does rain for sure and definitely and particularly in may to into early june and september are two of the drier months traditionally through the you know through the season um but that you know that doesn't mean it it's raining frequently through july or august it doesn't it, and and if it does rain it might rain for two or three hours and then be glorious sunshine um uh, you know to it so it's um it, it it's nice and varied and uh, i think we 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 probably go and say by and this is probably why these uh, weather forecasting stones are are popular and you see them for example on the coast of coast you see it in outside a pub in apple tree wick when you walk the dales way and it just says like if the stone is wet it's raining if the stone is dry it's not raining if the stone is hot it's sunny if the stone is white it's snowing if you can't see the stone it's foggy if the stone is swinging, it's windy. And if the stone is gone, there's been a tornado. So it's um, we 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 are just used to. And I suppose yes, it's a topic of conversation in the UK um, about the weather. But uh, hey, it's uh, it's what makes it. We couldn't have the beauty of the countryside if we didn't have a bit of rain. Um, and uh, you wouldn't want to be walking in 40 degrees temperature every day, would you either? Well, again, that's uh, as a Canadian, I always love, you know, spring in in England is just so special because it's still cold. The snow might still be melting back home. The lawns are brown. There's no greenery. And then you, you know, you come to England, all of a sudden there's, you know, flowers popping up. Everything's green from a winter full of rain. And, uh, you know, you're getting kind of like 15, 12, 18 Celsius days, which is uh, beautiful, like the best walking weather possible is just that, you know, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. You can go with a, a shirt sleeve and you mentioned, yeah, May and June and then September, uh, even into October, those are just spectacular times to, uh, to go walking in England. Um, I have one last question for you, Mark. You, you're so knowledgeable on, you know, so much in Northern England, you've done a lot, but what's your favorite place to go explore? You know, if you have a week off, where are you going to go and just find some uh, find some great walking or cycling or trail running? That that is almost an impossible question to give an answer to. And I think you're being mean. Just if I'm limited to one one place only. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but if you did force me into one place only, I would say Borrowdale in the Lake District. I just love, but you know, the different facets of Borrowdale that you can have because I, I I love running up onto the fells. You can get up onto Green Gable from there. You can pick up onto um, Scaffell Pike, and you get the most stunning views in there. You can stay lower down in the Vale and come through to Derwent Water, and you've got the lovely lake to go around, or even even wetsuit or not, dip in the you know jump into it um, for the water there. A couple of lovely pubs down in the heart of the Dale. We have some lovely um, accommodation owners there. A lady called Rachel that owns Giddicum. She has a little parrot of macaws there as well. From a, you know, born and brought up there. Knows, you know, so we've got some fascinating stories from times past down there. So real characters to it. Um, so probably if you if, if I could only go to one place, it would be there. That sounds great. Uh, makes me want to go back to uh, to the lakes. Uh, but I want to say thanks for coming and sharing all your expertise, Mark. Like you have so much knowledge. It's so obvious uh, your knowledge of Northern England and, and the walking. We didn't even talk about cycling, which is another whole aspect to do. But uh, I just want to say thanks for, for sharing all your knowledge uh, about this incredible part of the world. 
Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Richard. I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, doing this. And like you say, there's just so much more. I probably feel like I could have said as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put some links to some of the um, some of the trips Mark talked about because, uh, yeah, you know, Mark did a great job explaining and sharing kind of the beauty. And uh, I was seeing it in my mind's eye. But when you actually see the photos of these places and you – you know, if you look on Google Maps and you check out these charming little villages, uh, it really is a spectacular place to, uh, you know, whether it's your first time walking or your hundredth, uh, you'll find something to do in Northern England. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10adventures.